Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations. You can also browse their entire inventory online, mygreensolution.com, reserve products online, and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Welcome into the show, Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark. On a Wednesday, the Nuggets victorious in Game 5 last night at Pepsi Center, 124-98. Blowout win over the Portland Trailblazers. Here we are again, game six, just like the Nuggets were in position to against the Spurs, a chance to close out the Blazers on the road on Thursday in Portland. We'll preview that game, maybe a little bit at the conclusion of this podcast, but let's go over this win because this win was pretty telling, in my opinion. Obviously, Denver's most convincing win of the series, probably their most convincing win of the playoffs. They hold Portland under 100 points. They look good on offense. They look good on defense. The big two of Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray showed out. They got good contributions from Gary Harris and Paul Millsap. Give me maybe your biggest takeaway from this Nuggets Game 5 victory. Oh, my God. There's a million things you could go with. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I just expected from Nikola Jokic, it's no surprise when he's having monster games. Jamal Murray continues to to look like a star. He's he's kind of made a leap in this postseason. I don't know if if I had to pick one from Game Five, probably Paul Millsap just roasting anybody Portland put in front of him. I mean, Millsap has been fantastic in this series, and I, I think this was his best game of the series to date. Just the old man at the backyard barbecue killing people with that herky jerky game. Yeah, I call it the rope a dope. He just gets you in the post. Ball fake, head fake, shot fake, one dribble, retreat dribble, pivot. He'll either get to the line or get off a look that's not the most efficient look for a lot of players. But Paul Millsap gets it to go in, and he's been great in these playoffs on both ends of the floor. He was incredible defensively in Game 5. If you were watching how the Nuggets were playing defense and on offense, he was great as well. 
I remember right when the, the Nuggets signed Millsap, one of the points Michael Bullen kept hammering home was, did you guys just watch Paul Millsap in the playoffs? Like, Michael Bullen was buzzing based on, on what Millsap was able to do in the playoff run right before he signed in Denver. And I think that was, you know, one of the areas where Malone was high in his game was he thought he could really count on Millsap come playoff time. And I think Millsap does have a, a game that, that's really suited for the playoffs. He's a 16-game player. And he's he's a guy who's not going to be phased by the moment, obviously. He's such a sound defender. That's obviously going to translate to the playoffs. He can defend multiple positions. And on offense, he's not flashy, but he's just reliable. He's been a beast on the boards of this series, something that wasn't exactly the case against San Antonio in the first round where he kind of struggled on, on the glass at times. But he was a beast in this game five, 24 and eight for him. Over the course of this series, Portland has just seemed to throw every potential matchup his way, and he's just really cooked every guy in his path. Alfru Kaminu, Mo Harkless, those guys don't really stand a chance against him. And in this game five, both of those guys were just ineffective for Portland. He's really taken both those guys down to the block, done work. Enos Cantor hasn't been able to guard him. Zach Collins, Myers Leonard. A lot of times, Portland will go to a small ball bench unit with either Evan Turner or even at times Rodney Hood at the four. They did this in game five, probably try to get a little more scoring out there, especially in the case of Hood. And that meant that Paul Millsap was getting guarded by a Rodney Hood or an Evan Turner. And I mean, that's just over if you give Millsap the ball 15 feet away from the hoop. So it's pretty much mowed through every defender Portland's thrown his way. I thought it would be a matchup Denver could exploit coming into the series. It's been just that. Yeah, I mean, so much in, in today's NBA, teams try to stick, you know, guys who five years ago you would have considered tweeners, like who are, who are not really pure threes or not really pure fours. I mean, they kind of slide between those positions. You know, your Mo Harklesses, your Al Farouk Aminus. Paul Millsap is a pure four. I mean, that dude oh, yeah. is big. He's, he's pretty thick with a couple Cs. So... He could he could dominate those matchups against the Harklesses, the Aminos, and like we, like you just said, he's too quick for any of the centers that that Portland has tried to throw at him. Yeah, so he's been great, and he was definitely one of the stories of this game five. I'm not sure what Portland does to defend him, and at this point with the Blazers, it's like pick your poison against the Nuggets. Like how much focus can you really give to your defensive game plan to stop Paul Millsap when you've got to worry about Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic and that probably brings me to my biggest takeaway from this game I'm just not sure what other adjustments Portland can make and this is kind of how I felt after game one and obviously Denver didn't shoot the ball that well in game two and that's why they lost and that four overtime game that that was a crazy game that Denver also lost as well, but I'm not sure where Portland goes from here because here's what we know about the Blazers. They can't stop the Nuggets on offense. The only way they're going to stop Denver is if the Nuggets really struggle from beyond the arc. And Denver's formula in this series has been really simple for the most part. Shoot well from three, and they're probably going to win this game. And Denver shot over 40% from three against Portland twice this series. They've won both of those games. They shot over 40% from three against the Spurs four times. They lost just one of those games. And last night, Denver didn't even shoot that well from beyond the arc and still easily won. The Blazers can't stop Jokic. They can't stop Murray. They just can't stop Denver 
when the Nuggets are on the offensive end of the floor. And really the only way Portland can get back in this series and win this series is if just Damian Lillard absolutely goes off. And quite frankly, he's looked tired to me. So I'm not sure where Portland goes from here. And I wonder if they're just kind of out of options. Yeah, I think you made some good points there. I anticipate them making a starting lineup change. This is just my gut feeling in game in game six, going back home. I think you're going to see a Jake Lehman or a Rodney Hood get a start there. Jake Lehman? Oh. You, you got you to switch something up because Aminu and Harkless, those guys are not making anything from three. Yeah. Um, I, I mean... It doesn't even. I mean, they're not defending that well. Like, like you just said, the, the Trailblazers can't stop the Nuggets. There's nothing they can do with the Murray Jokic two man game right now. There's not a lot of teams any they could do anything about the Jokic man Murray two man game right now. But you got to get more shooting. You just got to be a little more dynamic offensively, and just hope you can outscore the Nuggets. I, I think in Game Six. I was on Altitude Radio and Paul Klee asked me what I would do if I was Terry Stotts. This was ahead of Game Five and. I agree with you. This is what I said to Paul. I think you've got to look for more offense, and I kind of expected Stotts to throw out more lineups where it's Lillard, McCollum, and Curry, or Lillard, McCollum, and Hood. And I think that latter threesome played a bit, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw maybe Rodney Hood in the starting lineup. He's actually been pretty effective this series, and I think his length can actually give Denver some trouble. But... You're right. I think Portland needs to make a drastic change. I mean, Mo Harkless has hit two threes in this series. He is two of nine from beyond the arc. Al Camino has hit three triples in this series. He is, man, he's even worse from beyond the arc. He's like three of 20 from three. So they've got to do something, but it just doesn't seem like they have that many options to turn to. Portland's not terribly deep, and... Like I just said a few minutes ago, they almost are giving off the look of a team that's a little defeated, and they need a big game from Damian Lillard, and it could come in game six, but I mean, what have you just seen from Lillard? Because like I just said, he's looked tired to me. Well, they they did look defeated in that game early on. I thought they were going to mount some sort of comeback in the third quarter, and that just didn't happen. I mean, the second half started, and Denver just blew the doors off of them. They didn't put up any fight, really. They, they waved the white flag midway through the quarter. Yeah, Damian Lillard, a, a big part of that. He, he's faded since game one in this series. Um, you've got to give a lot of credit to, to Torrey Craig and, and Gary Harris. I think those guys have done an excellent job on him. But I think part of this, too, is just, you know, Damian Lillard's missing some shots. And to me, he looks a little bit fatigued out there, mm-hmm. which it's kind of funny to say. I mean, if you're if you're picking one superstar to going into this series, you're going to say, okay, Jokic and, and Damian Lillard are both going to play a ton of minutes in this series. Who do you who do you envision fading? Like I'm sure nine out of ten people would have said Nikola Jokic, but no, the opposite has been the case. I mean, Lillard's just I mean when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's not even moving right now. Yeah, and those threes aren't going in. I, I don't know if that's a legs thing. It seems like he's getting decent looks to me, but yeah, I mean you got to give some credit to, to Craig and, and Harris or a lot of it, but he looks tired to me. Yeah, the fatigue thing is funny. So. On the playoffs, Paul George, he leads the playoffs in minutes per game. Of course, he only played five games, but he averaged 41 minutes per game in that first round series against the Blazers across five games. Lillard is second in minutes per game at 40.6. Jokic is third at 39.8. But obviously, the Nuggets have played a bunch of more games than Portland. 
you know, two more games here. Jokic, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, those are your top three guys in total minutes in the playoffs. Jokic at 478, Harris at 438, Murray at 425, Lillard is fourth, Paul Millsap is fifth. Uh, so if one team should be fatigued, you're right, it's the Nuggets. Let me throw a half-baked theory at you. I think Nikola Jokic, we always talk about him just always playing at his own speed. His, you know, He's topping out at three miles per hour on his very best day. I think that kind of works to his, his advantage because he's able to just dominate a basketball game with, without expending that much energy just to do it so efficiently. Mm-hmm. With, with j- there's just not a lot of wasted motion. I mean, you, you see him like go in there, not jump to get the rebound and, and just catch it and go back up in one motion and make it. That it almost works for his advantage sometimes, and I think it is here. So Lillard in the series is averaging, like I said, 41.5 minutes per game across these five games against Denver, shooting 43% from the field, 25% from three, solid rebounding and assist numbers as well. How much do you think the fact that Portland's without Yusef Nurkic is haunting them this series. Do you think that's catching up to Portland at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that's a factor. And, you know, Ennis Cantor had a really nice first four games of the series for him. I mean, you, you know, he was really good on the offensive end, and he is what he is on the defensive end. But it really caught up to them in, in game five. I yeah. mean, he was, he was pretty terrible in, in this game. He, he was a non-factor, really. And we've seen the best that we're going to see from Enos Cantor in this series, right? Oh, no question. I, I think that is a, definitely a, a significant factor right now, the, the Nurkic factor catching up to them finally. Yeah, Enos Cantor, he hasn't shown much in these last couple of games. I don't think his shoulder is that hurt. And I, I've heard from people that his shoulder actually isn't as hurt as he's letting on. Big surprise there, I know. Well, did you see the video making the rounds during game four of him, you know, flopping his arms around like a crow after right. a call didn't go his way? And I've also heard that some of his teammates are a little pissed off by how dramatic he's he's been making this whole thing. Interesting. But he hasn't been a factor in these last couple of games. But Lillard's had to carry a bigger load here in the playoffs for sure. But you've also got to give credit to Denver's defense and Gary Harris and Torrey Craig and how the Nuggets are playing in the pick and roll. I don't know what the heck... Oklahoma City was doing in the first round, but it obviously didn't work. And they pretty much just let lower pick them apart, you know, coming off of that high ball screen and whatnot. The Nuggets are doing such a good job of setting their big man up to the level of the ball and trapping Lillard out of that high pick and roll and forcing the ball out of his hands. And Lillard has gotten off a lot of open threes right when he's come around that screen. And sometimes Jokic has been late coming up there. Sometimes Millsap or Plumley have been a half step slow in coming up there, and he's gotten off some open looks, but he hasn't hit them. But you do have to give credit to Denver's defense as well. Remember the days when Nikola Jokic would just stay in the paint mm-hmm. and pick and rolls and you know, the, the guard coming around the screen would have like acres of, of real estate to work with. That seems like a long time ago. Jokic is, is so much better than he was at, at getting up there and pressuring in the pick and roll, you know, compared to a year or two ago. Gary Harris defensively, I think I said this earlier this week, but he's shown me that like when he wants to be, he can be an all NBA level defender. And man, he looked engaged last night, I thought. He had some pep to his step. He was into it, and I think this has been a really solid playoffs for Harris. It's really going under the radar just because of how good Jokic has been, 
how good Jamal Murray has been, how good Paul Millsap has been, but Gary Harris's two-way play in this series has probably gone a little underappreciated, and you know, he's been matching up on McCollum and Lillard every time down, and McCollum has probably been Portland's best player in this series, definitely been Portland's best player this series. It's been Harris's primary matchup, and you know, he's done a great job. I think. I mean, you can only hold McCollum down so much when he's playing this well. Yeah, I think Gary's been fantastic. I mean, Denver's, the trajectory of their entire playoff run shifted when when Michael Malone had him guard Derek White. And, you know, Gary's continued to guard one of the elite ball handlers that that Portland has. You know, once you kind of hid Murray defensively, that's where a lot of things started to change for Denver in the playoffs. For sure. And another thing on Lillard, he's looked frustrated with the officiating this series, as a lot of people from Portland have. And um, I think that's probably just a product of his shot not falling and and whatnot. But it seemed like it's been a frustrating series from him. I thought he was going to come into this series with Denver and just roll, just like he did against the Thunder. But, man, the Nuggets have applied a lot more defensive pressure and limited him a lot more than I thought they'd be able to coming into this thing. Let's take a break real quick. A lot more to get to on this game. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, We have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at moesdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Moe's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend Moe's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. As always, we're presented by The Green Solution. If you visit mygreensolution.com and use promo code BSN20, you can actually get 20% off your entire purchase. So make sure you check those guys out. The Nuggets win game five, 124 to 98 over the Portland Trailblazers. Obviously, their most convincing win of the series. And like I said a few minutes ago, I'm not quite sure where Portland goes from there. You feel like they need a big adjustment or something of that nature. I don't think there's a lot of things they can turn to. But Portland's a dangerous team at home. Lillard still hasn't had that one Damian Lillard game, which he's still going to have in Game 6, but we'll see. The story of the playoffs for Denver... I think in a large part, it's been Jamal Murray, a guy who the Nuggets wanted more consistency from all season. They wanted him to be more of a point guard. They wanted him to look for his own offense, but also balance that with setting his teammates up. And he's done that in these playoffs. My biggest takeaway with Murray is it just seems like he's grown years over this last month. 
Yeah, no question about it. He's he's finally piecing those games together like like we wanted all regular season. I mean that that flurry that he had in the second quarter. Jamal Murray is up there, you know, with just about anybody in terms of tough shot making ability. You know, the ability to hit driving, twisting, falling down layups off the wrong foot with either hand. He's so good with his left hand inside, by the way. And then that three-pointer, oh man, just sized up Lillard. He didn't even like jump straight up and down. It was like a a weird, like I don't I don't even know how to describe it. It wasn't. He didn't have his base set, and he still made that thing. When Jamal is rolling, like yeah, he doesn't need his base set or, or anything. He's just got to release the ball, and it, and it's probably going in. And I thought it was funny too. Jamal kind of reminds me of Steph in this way. You know, Denver was laying the smackdown on the Trailblazers in the third quarter. And Jamal was kind of trying to embarrass him. Like, Jamal does not just, like, quietly put teams away. He he really wants to, to make a show out of it, and <laughs> it was kind of funny to watch. Am I crazy for believing that one of the reasons Jamal Murray is such a tough shot maker and hits all these really tough shots is that that's sometimes the best looks that he can get? Like, we've talked about how he just doesn't have that burst to go by everybody. Every time down the floor, a lot of those longer defenders, he hasn't been able to get around throughout his career. Sometimes he's just forced into taking those really tough shots and just makes them. Yeah, that that's just kind of how it is for him. I mean, he doesn't have that crazy burst or, or anything like that. I, I definitely think that's part of it. I mean, man, just just think of some of the shots he's hit in the, in the playoffs. The one against San Antonio to put the series out of reach, basically, from the left elbow where he shoots it like 500 feet up in the air and it drops in, and then the one in Portland where he's falling out of bounds behind the backboard. Those are just two ridiculous shots. Here's Jamal Murray's stats in this Portland series. Wow. 25 points per game on 45% shooting from the field, 34% from three, 5.2 rebounds, 5.4 assists, 1.6 turnovers per game and this stat line stat line for him in game five 18 points five rebounds nine assists zero turnovers you know typically throughout the year you could pencil Jamal in for at least two or three turnovers when he was playing 30 plus minutes a game but he's making really good decisions right now and this is a theory I have about Jamal and he totally shot me down post game when I asked him this question. I don't know if I asked him in the right way, but I have a feeling that the fact that he's in a playoff environment and can just really lock in on basketball and lock in on one opponent and the matchups and the adjustment adjustments that Portland is going to throw his way for a basketball junkie like him. And he is a guy that lives, breathes, sleeps basketball. You know, it's something that dominates every single second, every single minute, every single aspect of his life. When he's in a playoff environment where basketball is really the only thing that matters, he doesn't have the distractions of the regular season around him, I feel like he thrives in that when he can just really focus and lock in on the task at hand, and you're able to do that more in the playoffs. I think that's helping him out in these playoffs. Didn't he make a comment during the San Antonio series? He was like, I've never known an opponent more than I do right now. Yeah, I think he enjoys that. I think that really is something that gets him going. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I've never seen Jamal play more complete basketball on the offensive end. It's not just the scoring. It, it's, as you just alluded to, the playmaking as well. You know, since game four of the San Antonio series, which is really when, when everything flipped for Denver and Jamal in particular in the playoffs, 
He has 50 assists and 15 turnovers. The the Murray Jokic two man game is it's just humming right now. There was a play early in the fourth quarter last night, and you know the game was already out of reach, whatever. But it was a high pick and roll, and Jamal Murray drags the two defenders his way, and then he throws a behind the back pass between them to to Jokic right on the move, who drops mm-hmm. in a floater. It was just gorgeous. I mean, watching those guys right now, it, it's like watching. I mean, those guys are just making magic happen, and. Jamal has been excellent as a playmaker. I mean, he definitely has a some a ways to go as a defender. You know, Den- Denver's hiding him in the postseason, but I've never seen him play better basketball in the offensive end, and he's he's doing it as a playmaker too. Yeah, he does have a ways to go as a defender. I mean, he was exposed in that first round series against the Spurs. One of the key reasons why Denver almost lost that series. He's got a long ways to go on that end of the floor, but. No, he's a high IQ guy, I think, on the offensive end. He's long. He's athletic enough to be a good defender. So I think he can be if he really puts his mind to it. But the two-man game with him and Jokic, the Blazers haven't been able to stop it all series. The Spurs had some decent counters to it, but Portland is just not an advanced enough team you know, with their personnel and their schemes. And they just don't have as many options, I think, as the Spurs could kind of throw their way, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Portland just doesn't have the perimeter defenders that San Antonio did. So they haven't been able to figure out that Murray Jokic pick and roll or the the pick and pop or whatever you want to call it all series. They just still look confused when Jamal Murray is screening off the ball for Nicole Jokic or on the ball. And I, I don't know how you can be confused by it after watching Denver run that thing 30 plus times for four or five games in a row. But yeah, I'm not really sure what Portland does. I guess getting back to my earlier point, maybe a starting lineup change, but I do think the only way they can beat Denver here in these last two games is if the Nuggets just go absolutely ice cold from three and Portland just outscores them. That's Rodney Hood's music, baby. I, I think Rodney Hood is the answer, quite frankly, if I'm Portland. I mean, that's not the most encouraging uh, kind of wild card that Terry Stotts can throw out there. It's Rodney Hood after all, but he's been effective at times. How could you do this to Jake Lehman? <laughs> Jake Lehman, not a 16-game player. He's the definition of an 82-game <laughs> player, I think. Let's pay some bills real quick with a word from our friends at Houselift. Are you thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition? How do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating the stresses of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers desire most. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right. You won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing these costs. So here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page, both at houseliftcolorado.com. And check out their incredible remodels that Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from fifteen dollars to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. And finally, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell your home without charging a listing commission. So make sure to check those guys out 
at Houselift. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit mygreensolution.com. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Game six is Thursday in Portland. Denver has a chance to close out the Trailblazers at Moda Center. Man, what a win that would be because you got to think this is Portland's last gasp coming up. If Portland wins this, Denver still should be the heavy favorite in game seven. I think like, I feel like the Trailblazers will expend all energy that they have to, to get this game six, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be really hard fought. Um, I, I think, actually, if, if I had to pick right now, I'd go with Portland. I, I think I'm going to stay with my original prediction that it's going the distance. But hopefully Denver learned some lessons you know, from the last time, going into San Antonio, trying to close them out. That was, that was their first experience for a lot of these guys, you know, trying to, to close a team out in a playoff series. And Nicole Jokic was really the only player who showed up in that one. Right. I feel a lot more confident about the Nuggets' chances in this game six than I did in that game six heading to San Antonio. I'll tell you that. So I think there's a legitimate shot that Denver gets this game, whereas I didn't give the Nuggets much of a chance in that game six against the Spurs. But if I still had to wager, I think this thing probably comes home for seven, uh, which is crazy. So Denver's cruising last night in the fourth quarter, up 20-plus points. In comes Wancho. Wancho Aaron Gomez, the seldom-used forward who at times was a key rotation piece for this team over the last couple of years trots to the scorers table with a little under two minutes to go gets a standing ovation from the crowd and comes in and hits a three off of what is probably one of the most underrated passes of the season have you gone back and watched that mason plumley pass it was an unbelievable no look pass from plumley from under the basket to out in the corner wancho drains the three celebration ensues, pandemonium. That was a cool moment. Listeners of this podcast know my opinion on Wancho. There is nothing more enjoyable or fun as a Nuggets fan and following this team than when Wancho Hernan Gomez is out there hitting threes, you know, Wancho explosions. I guess this technically wasn't a Wancho explosion. It was, I mean, it was just one three. We've been without a Wancho explosion for so long. This could categorize as one. Yeah, I've been in the desert starving. Dying of thirst, Harrison. I needed a, I needed just a morsel from Wancho in, in the playoffs and finally got it last night. That reaction was incredible. Mm-hmm. He turns to the bench where his best friend on the team, Nikola Jokic, is right there celebrating his butt off and just kind of goes a couple feet into the bench, lets off like a two or three second shimmy. <laughs> One of the more unbelievable things I, I, I could remember. Like, I, I almost cried. I got a little emotional, I think. That was, that was the happiest I've ever seen Nicola, I think. Like, yeah. that, was, that was just pure joy. Uh, I mean, Gary and Paul were right there, too. They were loving it. After the game, Nicola said, I love Wancho. Just had, like, such, such a good, uh, effusive answer for, you know, when, when asked about Wancho hitting that three. And, you know, you wrote about this last night, but... I think Wancho, you know, is good, I guess, representation of this team because he's a guy who just understands his role. He's all about team. One of the many reasons why, why this team just has such good chemistry and, and guys just get along. Everybody's just playing for each other on this team. 
Yeah, and Wancho's the greatest example of that. You talked about Nikola Jokic saying how much he loves Wancho. Wancho was throwing the L word out all over the place as well. He had some unbelievable postgame quotes, which you can find on bsndenver.com, and I had to speak with him after this game, and he did not disappoint. But we've talked about just how this team plays with so much joy on the offensive end and how unselfish they are, and nobody epitomizes that more than Wancho. He would like to be playing, of course, but he's honestly one of the best teammates I've ever been around, to be quite honest. I was watching him very closely throughout this game, and after every Nuggets basket, after every Nuggets positive defensive play, he's out of his seat a few feet on the court, celebrating, yelling out words of encouragement to his guys, this guy is one of the best cheerleaders, the best teammate, just in terms of relaying positive energy to his guys that I've ever seen in the NBA in the few years I've been covering this league, to be quite honest. And he's just such a positive guy to have in the locker room. And I think you could see how much his teammates appreciate his positivity with how they celebrated that three-pointer with him in the final couple minutes of just a blowout win. It was cool because he's usually the one celebrating their made threes on the sideline, and it was a little role reversal in those final two minutes. And I think it'd be hard to to stay as upbeat as Wancho has with everything that's happened to him this season. I mean, he went from key rotation piece, really you know, one of the main guys who, who helped keep Denver afloat when it was dealing with all those injuries throughout the winter. And then, you know, he, he's really reduced to an end of bench guy when everybody got healthy, his, his shot kind of deserted him a little bit as the season went on. So you could understand why Wancho would have been a little bit disappointed with just, just how the last half of the season went for him, but he hasn't shown that at all. Just, just joy whenever his teammates are doing well and just the dude you want to have on your team. His three-pointer and just the positive energy that he brought to the game and that was exuded over those last couple minutes with that celebration, that really tied a bow on this night because we spent the first two hours before the game discussing the terrible school shooting that happened in Denver in Highlands Ranch in Michael Malone's community where he lives pregame when Malone just kind of stepped to the mic and really said what he had to say about a school shooting that occurred in his backyard and how he was affected by it and how his two middle school age daughters were and his wife is a former school teacher and of course that hit close to home for him. I felt weird heading up to the game at least. It seemed like basketball was secondary with all the events that transpired Tuesday afternoon. And just to have the joy that Wancho brings to the arena with him every night displayed over those kind of those last few minutes, it, it made for a really positive ending to the night. That was pretty tough to, to listen to Michael Ballone. And, you know, I'm, I'm really glad he said something. The, the line that got me was I'm texting my daughter, telling her she's going to be OK. I don't even know she'll be OK. I mean, I'm not a parent or anything, obviously, but I can't imagine just having to go through that. And I'm glad Michael Malone said something. We just got to do better. It was a tough day, and I wrote about this as well on bsnnever.com because that really seemed to overtake whatever was going to happen in that basketball game last night. And just talking about it with guys in the locker room, it hit this organization hard. Obviously, it hit Michael Malone hard because he lives – 
two minutes from where that school was in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, which for you guys not in Colorado, not in Denver, it's about 25 minutes south of the arena. Mike Mullen's kids don't go to that school, but they go to a school in the area, of course, Michael Malone and his wife, they know families, they know kids at that school that was the one in the shooting. And so it obviously hit really close to home for him. Paul Millsap has two daughters, you know, one in middle school, one in high school. And I was talking with him about this after the game. He was shook up about it. Will Barton has young kids of his own. He was affected by it as well, just kind of secondarily. So this thing hit close to home for this organization, um, but it did seem like the night kind of ended on a high note after you know a really tough Tuesday in Denver. So that was good to see at least. Yeah, I mean, just the game itself, one of, one of the most fun Nuggets games I've ever covered. There was a lot of talk about the crowd and how Nuggets, the Nuggets crowd compares to the Avalanche crowd going into the game. Got to say, the, the crowd was fantastic in this game. I mean, crowd was great. It helps when you you get up to a 15-point lead like three minutes into the game, but, man, that place was rocking. So Nikola Jokic came within one rebound of the first 20-point, 20-rebound game in the playoffs since Sean Marion in 2006. And maybe the final thing I have on this game is he came so close to this rebound, he got the rebound in the fourth quarter, and committed his sixth foul on the same play. <laughs> and, of course, his night was done from there, but he came very close to just you know, checking another historical accolade off of his uh, list. Well, how many times did he do that during the regular season where right. he had, like, nine rebounds and he needed one more to get the triple-double and Denver put the game out of reach and he just went to the bench? Yeah. A great night for him. He was dominant again. Didn't get the three ball to drop, but was 10 of 18 from the field, 5 of 6 from the line. McCollum was 5 of 16, definitely his worst game of the series. Lillard, 9 of 21. Aminu, 1 of 8. Enos Cantor, 2 of 9 from the field. And yeah, Seth Curry wasn't able to replicate what he did in game four either. He shot just 3 of 10. Rodney Hood, Zach Collins had decent nights, but that's about it for Portland. Yeah, if, if Portland can ever just get you know, not like an A, a wing, but like a B-plus wing, then I think I would take them seriously as a team that could make the finals. But, you know, I like Al Farouk Amino. Well, Harkless is fine, I guess. But, yeah, I just I just can't take you that seriously if, if that's your wing rotation. I do wonder how different this series would look with Yusef Nurkic. I think it could look completely different. I would still take Denver to win in seven, but the series would have such a different feel, right? Yeah, I mean, it would not be as, as easy for Denver on the boards, I think, is the main thing. For sure. I think that's all we got for today. You got anything else as we wrap up here? Uh, I knew the Nuggets were going to win this one by a lot whenever uh, Nathaniel Rateliff <laughs> shot the, the pregame free throw underhand and it went in. He said he told Michael Ballone before there was the first free throw he'd ever attempted in his life. So I knew the Nuggets were going to roll. Sounds good. We'll be back with another episode on Thursday. Talk to you guys then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, 
and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.